Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. Yes, we love talking about closure and we love helping people. So are you feeling stuck or is there something you want to learn or something you want us to talk about and, and, and explore uh, so you can learn? Um, we, we would love to, to, to hear about that. So please reach out. Definitely. If you'd like to reach us, you can tweet at us at closure design or you can send us email at feedback at closure or come hop into our Clojurian Slack channel, and that is Closure Design Podcast, and you can reach us there. Yes, we love we love having conversations. <clears throat> uh, so here we are again. Um, we are still in our our super big series, uh, the Web of Complexity. <laughs> yes, uh, and specifically, we are in our mini sub series, I guess, uh, of the, talking about the web sockets and 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 all of the power and and, and struggle that come with um, with dealing with them. Uh, so last time we talked a little bit about how we can do like a little a simple notification system um, with our was our our closure idioms website. Uh, you know, we want to know. We want to know right away when someone likes our idiom. So, um, so that was our we, whole identity is just wrapped up in it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, much like do uh, people like me? <laughs> yes. Do people like my programming? <laughs> do people like? Do people like me? Do people like our podcast? Um, and uh, so, so we have we, we I think we 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 stopped we we kind of ended last episode. Um, you know, we needed to 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 bridge the gap between between my web request as the liker and your web your web socket as the likee, um, and 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 we did that by having a, a global uh, a global def which was an atom, you know, to keep track of our our web sockets. Right, and the handler can just reach out to the atom. It can look up the user in the atom, get the socket send data down that socket. I think we decided to just serialize to Eden because it's nice and convenient on both sides. And so it's uh, pr- pretty straightforward. Not Maybe maybe not really <laughs> the, the most ideal way to keep track of all these things, though, with our global atom. I sort think, of very utilitarian, get the job done in the podcast episode, right? Yeah, I think any time that we, I use a global, I think they're like, you know, a... a a butterfly dies or an angel dies or something like that. Like, I feel like it's like a, a, a the cardinal sin in, in programming is to use a global, um, even when it's super convenient. So there, there's, there's the uncomfortableness of that. Um, I think with using global atom, but also, you know, I, I like I like to, I like to use, I like to, to, de- um, I want to, I want to develop this app. I want to, I want to be able to, to, to spin it up and tear it down um, without having to restart my JVM, you know, and so I need, I need, I need yeah. something that will actually clean that up. <laughs> right. I think there's two kind of two main goals that aren't really being met with our global atom. One is it would be really nice if we had some code that that managed these web sockets, you know, manage the like like the functions for putting something into this pool. Using something in the pool, kind of, kind of get that, like the the 
the details of that out of the WebSocket handler code. Right, the pure and stuff. And then the other, yeah. And then the other aspect of it is we want some kind of life cycle, right? We want to be able to start our application and stop our application and restart our application over and over again from the REPL. And, and so we want it to clean up all these WebSockets when we shut it down and then start it back up clean. And so, so we have like two different, different kinds of problems, you know? Well, I think it's easy to, we don't really have to, to we can, we can use the global atom if, and, and we can, we, we can satisfy the first, you know, the first uh, goal of, of taking all of the, those pure functions for, for actually manipulating the, the pool, so to speak, the pool of WebSockets. It's kind of like its own state, you know, and, and we can, we right. can have a, a namespace that is just about, just about managing the pool of WebSockets. You know, I want to add a WebSocket. I want to check, see if a WebSocket is there. You know, I want to remove a WebSocket. You know, all, all the different. Want to send a message down a WebSocket, yeah, identified by user. You know, yeah, those things. Yeah. And so I think so. So splitting splitting that out is is pretty straightforward. Uh, but that doesn't really tackle our our, our lifecycle need our need for lifecycle management. Um, and so, so what we usually do for that is, is use component. We, we, we have, we, I mean, there, there, there's, there's several lifecycle management libraries out there, but I think component is the one that we tend to reach for because it's, you know, it's kind of the oldest one, but it's also, um, it, it, it does its job well. <clears throat> and so it's pretty simple. It's pretty easy to pick up and start using. And then we use a component REPL. So we can start, stop, and restart from the REPL. Uh, and it will bring all the components up, and it will tear all the components down, like in the opposite order it brought them up. And, and so then we can basically get, get restarts of our application without leaving the REPL. Because, you know, we don't want to leave the REPL. <laughs> right. We don't want to restart the JVM. And, and, and also, it, 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 in addition to providing... Uh, the the life cycle the start and the stop it also provides like a dependency injection um, mechanism so like if we if 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 we if we create a component to to manage the pool we still need our our web handlers to be able to you know to be able to access the pool <laughs> like right you know if, if it's over there on an island and we can't get to it from the web request then it's basically useless right so we can we have a component. I, I think when we set all this up, it's been so long, I can't even remember. But let's just say we have a component for the web server itself. And so that component has a start and a stop method. And the start method is going to fire up the HTTP server. But then that component can declare a dependency on this new component we can create for the WebSocket pool. Um, I don't know. What, how about if we just call it WebSocket pool? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I often find it's it's best to name something a really plain, easy, you know, dumb name instead of something clever like you know, accountant or you know, yes. bookkeeper, librarian. You know, let's just call it the the socket pool. And so then it will the web socket uh, pool component will be passed in to the web component when it gets started. So then we can capture a reference to it that way. And then when we set up our handlers, set up our route tables, we can, ha we can pass 
the uh, WebSocket pool component reference into the function that sets up our handlers, right? And so now each handler can um, can close over a reference to that. Like you can you can um, partial them in. Yeah, we actually had talked about this a few episodes ago about the trade-offs between using a middleware or partialing them in. And I think partialing them in, uh, you know, I feel it feels like the right the right level of of injection because you're 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 adding a parameter to the actual function that acts that does the that does the that handles the request and and that that function is the one that's going to operate on it. So it feels like partialing it in is a, is a good. Um, a good method, a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So we typically, we have a function that that we call it and it returns, right, the routes, basically. Like it returns the handler where all the routes have now been constructed. And so then if you pass that function, that resource, in your routing table, each each of the handlers that you call, right? You just, you do partial the handler name and then whatever resources you want to bind in. Um, and if you make them the first arguments, it's just convenient. Yeah. And um, so so now, now all your handlers can have a reference to this component in order to get some work done, right? Ra- rather than just having this global atom, right? They can get this reference injected in and then that allows a new reference every time you do the stop and then the start cycle a new reference is getting created so that allows you to get that new reference plumbed in every every time the system is starting up yeah it 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 serves a couple of different purposes the having the 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 socket pool component um it 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 it, it, it handles the the creation uh, it basically we only want there to be one pool and so one way to make there only one pool is to make it global, but we don't want there to only be one pool ever for the whole life of the JVM. We want it to basically be for the life the life cycle of our application. And so by moving it into a component, we, we still ensure there's only one of them, one pool, but we but we we now we now can 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 do other operations around it. Um, so for instance, in the start and stop function of the um, like in the start function for that component, we actually create the pool. You know, I mean it's it's probably not much more than just a, a simple map at that point in time but then on the on the on the other side in the stop function we we can just iterate through all the sockets that are there and just close them all and actually clean up all the resources that the application was using right and so then the the it gives us a place to put the state right this this state that is bound to the life cycle of the application the component gives us a place to do that and then it can also expose a couple of functions that are, are convenience functions for the the other components that need to use it the idea the idea is it's it will definitely use a separate namespace for managing the websocket pool right so we can make that we can still make that nice clean namespace with all the functions for managing the pool and component will use that, but it will be the keeper of the atom, right? Which, which has the current state for the WebSocket pool within it. And then, and then over in the web, the, the, the web component will actually import the socket pool components namespace to get access to those functions. 
so that it can right. so that it can so it it it, it will it, it through a component it gets injected the 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 component itself like the actual instance in memory and then through the namespace it gets the functions on which to operate the, on that and so basically it has it has both both sides that it needs to actually to do anything with the pool it has the it has the data and it has the functions yeah, and so when you say the functions, we should probably say <laughs> what functions. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the functions, yes. Uh, all the functions, right? All the relevant and needed functions. And the so exact I was ones. thinking of Yeah, I was thinking about this. I was thinking uh the component should probably expose functions that are useful for the handlers, right? It's it, it provides the abstraction to the web request handlers at kind of at the the level they want to get work done. And then a, and then right. within component it's using that socket pool management and then that's that's providing functions at like actually managing a pool of web sockets level, right? So I think the web right. request handlers they had two two things they really needed to do that that we identified last time. They when a a new web socket connection shows up at the at the route we defined right we want to retain that websocket and and identify it by username and so i can't remember the specific mechanism we said but basically the user is going to pass their name somehow we're going to get out of a cookie or we're going to get out of the url or something <laughs> and Database, so it's going to yeah you know, get thrown over the wall right. and retained and then and then when we want to send a, a message to a user we want to basically say okay here's a user send this notification message done right so it's like those two those two tasks each of those can get a function in the component namespace so the handlers can just import those functions and pass in the first argument to the function which should be the 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 component reference itself right the current instance of that component as well as whatever other arguments like okay the username and then the socket for what what adding it or then the username and then the message for sending it, right? So you end up with three arguments, the component instance reference, username, and then message to send or socket to save, either way. Yeah, and I think um, it might be good to, because I, really, I didn't really mention this when I was talking about the start function of the, what's the socket pool component, is that the socket pool component should create the pool and then basically associate that onto itself onto the reference that it returns so that when that component instance, you know, so to speak, makes the round trip, it goes into the web component and now it comes back through one of those functions. The component can then access the pool out of itself, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it like start and stop for com well start, especially for component, it should return right. the reference to the component instance, right? And and I know in a lot of our code, like we'll we'll sometimes refer to it as this, you know, because it kind of is like an O type thing. Um, and so it should return a reference to the component instance. So I know you and I have have found it useful, right? That basically that that's a record, like like def record, like your component is a def record, but you can kind of logically think of that thing as a map. You know, right? Because right. closure lets you treat records as if they're maps, and so the idea is you need a data member 
to that points to the pool atom in this case, right? So we're going to have the state of the WebSocket pool is going to be wrapped up inside of an atom. So we could have a field just called pool, and then and then the start method we uh, associate uh, uh, an atom with an empty pool inside of it. Uh, we associate on the pool value, you know, and then you return you return the the new version of the record with that associate. So then when right. that's passed into one of the component functions, it will be passed in as the first argument and you'll go, okay, well, this thing is a reference to the component record. Well, it's going to have a field in there called pool. So that's how you get your pool back out in each of these functions. You, you don't have to like, like it, you hand the reference <laughs> off to your caller, your caller hangs onto it and hands it back to you when it's time to get work done. Right. And so that that that's how you go full circle, and you can actually end up with all the things you need in the in the two functions um, to actually operate on that on that atom. Right. Yeah. And so then those functions have those three arguments. It has like you could say this as a first argument, just for clarity, and then you pull the pool out, and then you can use call swap on that atom using the functions from the other namespace it has the actual particulars for managing the the pool of websockets so maybe we should talk about think, that namespace a little yeah, bit <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think it's really important to say that like the 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 api so to speak that the component exposes to the web component um is is kind of an application level like what does the application need you know like I, I want to right. Add a it's like two I little to... services. It's like two little right. embedded microservices, if you will, that are that are providing <laughs> some information to each other. You know, right? That is, it's a. I like how you put it. It's really at the application level, right? Work like data flow level. Yeah, definitely. But then the the socket pool component turns around, and it doesn't just. It doesn't just go ahead and muck with the with the atom and do whatever it wants. All of the 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 logic for how you actually uh, update that atom is in a separate namespace. I think we called it the pool namespace or something like that. Maybe we haven't named it yet. Let's call it the pool namespace. <laughs> um, okay, wait. We have the web socket pool namespace and the pool namespace. <laughs> yeah. We have the we have the socket pool we have the pool socket and the pocket socket pool no no sorry <laughs> yeah but yeah okay how about yeah sure we'll call it the pool namespace yeah, that works the pure pool <laughs> the pure pool <laughs> I mean our so right now our the atom is essentially it has a map and inside the map. Is the, the the keys are the user IDs and the value is the the socket itself. So it's a very simple map right now. It's just key value. There's no there's not a whole lot of nesting. There's not we don't need to keep track of anything else other than the WebSocket per user. So so the, so the functions in this in this pool namespace are rel- going to be relatively simple. But but over time, if we add more logic and add more more complexity to that, we we can we we want to be able to handle all of the all of the ways you can move that state forward, move the pool forward, um, capture them in that in that namespace, so that we can operate. Basically, it it exposes an API to the socket pool component, just like the socket pool component exposes an API to the web component. 
Yeah, and so the key with these functions over in the pure pool <laughs> namespace <laughs> is they're all going to take state like as their first argument, right? And so state is just going to once again be a map and this- of all the information that we need to keep track of for this WebSocket pool. And this is, and, when you say state, yeah. you mean the pool, right? Like the, like the pool is what's, is, is the pool state, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first so, one. So, it, right. It's, it's like a pure data model. And so the way, the way you're going to do a pure data model in Clojure is you're going to have an immutable data structure such as a map that is going to be the keeper of all of the current state for this pure data model, right? Your current, your current situation. And then, and so you'll have a function that takes that, that current state, uh, the current big tree of data, and then some other arguments is going to manipulate that big tree of data. It's going to return the new state, right? The new tree of data that has been manipulated based on whatever the function is supposed to do. So like we could have a function for uh, save WebSocket. So it would take it would take the map. And so the idea is this doesn't need to know anything about an atom, right? Like an oh, atom, yes. That's an atom an important... is to keep right the specific like instance of a state. This this like you would call swap using these functions, right? So you would say swap and then one of these functions and then well swap so... and then the atom and then one of these functions and its arguments, you know. Right. So the other side is so you don't, you're not passing the atom into these functions. You're passing, you're not, and you're not actually passing what's in the atom into the functions. You're using swap to pass what's in the atom into the function. Like you're you're indirectly passing the pool uh, into into there. You're not. You, yeah. 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 So this is why it's important that all these functions take the current state as their first argument. Right. Because when you call swap on the atom. Then, like, the syntax is, you know, swap bang, and then the atom name, and then the function that you want to, you know, call swap on, and then any additional arguments. Well, that first argument is the macro puts the current contents of the atom, it passes it in as that first argument, right? So So the idea is each of these in your pure model takes the current state as its first argument and then any additional arguments it needs to get work done. And and then what's neat is you can unit test the heck out of these functions now, right? You can construct any starting state that you want to test with. You just pass it in as a first argument as well as associated arguments. You get a return value, which is a new nice closure immutable tree of data and then you can do all the comparisons on that in your unit test you want to make sure that that pure model state transform did its thing correctly. Yeah, um, I often when I'm when I'm testing these kind of pure state transform, uh, you know, set of functions, um, I'll just use the thread first macro because the thread first macro takes whatever you 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 specify and it hands it to the in the first position of each subsequent. Um, subsequent function and so you can basically say like you know thread first new state you know save websocket save websocket and then just see what the what the end what what the what the resulting data structure looks like um and then you can add new you can add you can keep adding and and deleting functions out of that 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 thread macro and you can see 
uh, how your state um, uh, evolves over time. Uh, and then you can, yeah, move that into unit tests if you want to. Yeah, and so I think the specific operations to think of on this uh, pure pool <laughs> is <laughs> is we want to save in a WebSocket. So that we're going to identify that by user. So with, without getting into the details, we, we knew who the user was when they showed up. So we're going to have the user ID and the WebSocket, right? So we're going we're gonna to put that into a map. Probably we're going to have the map organized by user ID in the first place. And if they show up with a new WebSocket, well, hey, we're just going to evict the old one, <laughs> right? One to rule them so, all. Yeah. So so we'll have an operation for uh, saving a WebSocket and operate. So basically adding or replacing, I guess we just call it save, right? We'll either add it or replace it. Then we have an operation for removing a WebSocket. Um, and probably an operation for looking up a, and getting the WebSocket by user, right? It would return the WebSocket, return nil if it couldn't find it. Yeah, um, I think I think that's really important. Like the get the WebSocket. Like if our if our if our map is just you know key user ID value WebSocket, why do I need a whole function just to do a key lookup? You know, like I feel like that's so much ceremony. Um, but I think it's important to keep keep the the the, the abstraction unleaky because if you can go just muck around and 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 look through any level of this this data structure um now your code is coupled to that particular structure you know that 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 key path or that whatever and so having a lookup function means that if you change the function change the structure of your data of the pool data then anyone who all you have to do is update your lookup function and anyone who looks up web sockets will will still continue to work. You don't have to update them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, you get encapsulation that way. You can there really... There you go. Yeah, you don't... So all the details of how this is actually stored in this state are all managed within these functions. But then you also get... You're, you're raising the level of the vocabulary in the application. I know we've talked about this quite a bit before. We haven't talked totally. about it in a while. But you're now you're now giving each of these things like a proper name. So when you're reading the code... You're not going, oh, well, they're associating or, or like a Soshin with three key level paths. It's like, okay, but what's happening here? And then if, if you give that <laughs> a name by making a function that does that same Soshin call as you would have done, but now that function is save user WebSocket. You're like, oh, okay, we want to save the user's WebSocket. Get user WebSocket. Oh, we want to get the user or get WebSocket for user, you know, save WebSocket for user. Right now, you're reading your code that's getting work done at a higher semantic level, uh, and not trying to kind of re like reverse infer, reverse deduce. Okay, what is that associate doing? What is that get in doing? Yeah, it's all about lowering the cognitive load uh, associated with programming um, or with with development. And and I feel like when you when you lower the load, it actually makes it more more enjoyable. Um, because then you're just skimming along at the surface. You don't have to dive into the implementation of the pure pool every time you're reading code inside the socket pool component. You can just just stay at that level instead of having to go deep. And it, by not having to go deep, your mind doesn't have to you know, use all those cycles. It can focus just on the problem at hand. Yeah, definitely. So I think to kind of wrap this up at, once again and kind of touch on all these things at a high level, 
the idea is that you're we have this low level namespace for managing the actual pool itself exposes a lot of functions then we have a component which has an atom that has the current state of the pool in it and it's going to call swap with those functions from the pure pool right the low level management to get work done and then you have the web handlers which are part of it the web component and then they're going to use their reference to the websocket pool component in order to do some high level tasks like save the websocket or send a message and then they can kind of worry about that at the application level and then and then the component itself then it can be concerned with satisfying the high level application goals right so if, so if a websocket wants to send a notification to a user but that user isn't actually currently connected well that's fine that code that that tries to send it can look it up in the pool and go oh there's nothing there i'm just going to drop that notification on the floor there there there's no one around to keep it right yeah all those things together make it so that you can develop your application like we we can continue to iterate on this application, start and stop it without having to um, to manage any global state. Uh, we no longer have the the global there, and we no longer have to carry that shame with us every day when we go to work. Um, and 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 the application is now in a state where we can actually grow it. We can actually you know add more features to it because things are things are properly you know not well, properly abstracted. They're 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 put in the place that that makes the most sense. Yeah, and there's a really clear place to keep the state versus keep the logic, right? Your your pure logic is often its own very unit testable namespace. This all the statefulness that comes with IO, like for example, the the handler also can register its on close, like like the the WebSocket pool component, like it can register on close, so when they get closed, it can remove them out, or it can close them when they start when they when the whole application stops. Like all that state management, that has a clear place, uh, and then the high level tasks, you know, between it and the web component, right, are sort of its clear interface. So you have these clear interfaces; everything has a clear place, so it really allows you to scale the application and and not break your brain in the process. <laughs> yes, yes. Where could we go from here? Um, I think maybe we'll do something uh, in an, in another episode, though, because we're kind of running out of time. <laughs> yeah, I think we're way over time. <laughs> yeah, so I think if anyone out there, um, if you have any um, any questions or any any topics you'd like us to talk about, if you've uh, let us know if you've... Um, if you come across some some uh, you know, what do you think of our of our way of organizing sockets and everything? Um, if you have a different way or a better way, uh, please reach out. Um, you can send us a tweet at Closure Design or an email to feedback at closuredesign.club. We'll find its way to our inboxes and we will respond. I promise. Uh, or you can hop into the Closure Design dash podcast channel on Closure in Slack and uh, we we can talk there. That would be fun. And if you haven't already, open your web browser and go to closuredesign.club and check out all of our past episodes and show notes there on the interweb. Yes, use the web to learn more about the web enclosure. Yes, all right. meta, very meta. <laughs> cool, then we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be talking about something else in our web of complexity. Till then, thanks for listening. <laughs>